The story is told by a pastor and his wife were heading north on Interstate 85 and as they approached a hill, the semi crested the hill coming towards them and all he could see was on top of the semi three giant letters, G-O-D. And then he had all kinds of questions. What kind of music does God let his truckers listen to? Is it just religious music or do they get to listen to a little country music every now and then or maybe a little rap music? Does God speed? If God gets pulled over for speeding, does God get a ticket? And then as the truck passed, he saw more writing on the side of the trailer and it said, guaranteed overnight delivery. <laughs> yeah. And then he had one more thought. If, if God is going south, why in the world are we heading north? And Advent is our chance to move in the right direction. It, it's our chance to be reoriented. It's our chance to rediscover the heart of God and the love of God and the direction God is moving. And to say, maybe, maybe I need to change direction as well. And so each week of this Advent season, we'll be asking, well, what's the promise that we find in this gospel text? What's there that we need to kind of latch onto, contemplate this week, meditate, think about a little deeper, but we're going to go beyond that to what's the challenge? What's the response that it's calling for? What's the dare? What's the dare there to say there's a different way to live? There's a different way to see life. There's a different way to see problems and circumstances and even pain that we may find ourselves. Where is God leading us? You'll recognize these lines. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct, well, the other way. Famous lines for the opening of the tale of two cities that seems like it could just describe where we are today and what you've been seeing on the news all weekend long. It's also a great way to think about the setting for the Gospel of Mark. Imagine that you live in Galilee right around 70 AD. There's a war because a radical Jewish movement has revolted against Rome. And Jerusalem is under siege. Reports are that conditions in the city are bad and people are very divided. Some see God raising up leaders who are going to bring us back to where we should be. Others urge submission to Rome as the path to peace and security. And turmoil is just everywhere. Peace can't be found. And even in the small city, the little village where you live, it's divided. There are people there. There are people there. Who died last year. Four people announced themselves as the new emperor. Four people were assassinated. And now Vespasian himself, the very general who's leading the siege against Rome, has been made emperor. 
The price of oil is skyrocketing. Olive oil, that is. Food is getting scarce. One small but growing group of people refused to fight on either side. Followers of a Galilean rabbi. A Galilean rabbi who was executed because of fear of sedition. And so Roman leaders see this group with suspicion, wondering if they are still about sedition. Others call them heretics. Zealot rebels dismiss their founder as ineffective against Roman uh, opposition. But you find yourself intrigued by their claim that the crucifixion of Jesus is the symbol of God's good news for Israel and Rome. And you ask, how can that really happen? How can death by crucifixion, how can a group consider that to be good news? And someone hands you a scroll. And the title of the scroll is this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And Mark gives it a provocative title. The story about Jesus that we turn to this morning from Mark chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you may find a little asterisk in your, some of your Bibles and some of the modern translations. You may see, and you could translate this either way that you want to. It can be the beginning of the gospel which Jesus brings, the gospel that Jesus himself proclaims. It can be the good news about Jesus. It can be either way. Maybe Mark has in mind that it should be both of those ways. And I invite you to think about that this week. The beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news is Mark telling us this is what Jesus is about to tell you. Is Mark telling you this is about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And he continues as it's written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were coming out, going out to meet him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And this is the word of God for the people of God. So who are the strangest characters in the Bible that come to mind? Got to put John at the top of that list. He may be the most troubling of all of them. He should have turned out to be a nice man, a pillar of society. He came, as my mother would say, they're good people. He came from good people. Zechariah, one of the priestly class, access to some of the most sacred parts of the temple. A cousin of Mary. A woman of faith. Keen perception. Were his parents embarrassed by him? That boy needs a haircut. 
did his parents apologize? We taught him to dress better. Were his teachers ashamed? Where did we go wrong? This week, let's talk about some questions. This week, as we think about Advent and move closer, and we ask again, what are you really waiting for? Are you waiting for Christmas? Or are you moving towards Christ? What is it that you really need in your life? Let's begin with this question. Why does God rely on us? Why John the Baptist? Out of all of the people God could use to prepare the way, out of all of the people God could call or commission or influence to go speak, why this one? Out of all of this, why does God, and maybe rely is not the word you're comfortable with, depend on, bank on, count on, have confidence in. There's something just a little fishy about the beginning of this story, isn't it? How many corporate leaders do you know would say, oh no, really it's not me, it's all the other people around me that made this happen? How how many athletes have you seen during the interview? Well, really it wasn't me, It, it was everybody else. I just happened to be standing here in front of the microphone. It wasn't me, I'm I'm just the messenger. God finally acts, and God acts through this shabbily dressed, culinarily depraved desert dweller. Wild man. And why does God invite us to collaborate? Why doesn't God just do it? Why, Why doesn't God just... Why does God love using people like this? I still remember the story of a friend that I taught with. He had three sons, and he told me this story one day that um, he said, well, think of it this way. We bought a new bicycle for the boys. One bicycle, three boys. You can see where this is going to go. They didn't have it long, he said, just a few hours, and they brought it back to me, and it was broken. The chain was off. And I looked at it and I knew I had two options. I could fix this myself in just a few moments and have them back outside fighting over this bicycle. It's easy to do. Or I can teach them how to fix the bicycle. It's going to take more time. We're going to all get greasy and dirty. They're going to get grease and oil all over their clothes, and then we're going to have to explain it to Mama. And that's what he did. And why does God like to get greasy and dirty with us? Why doesn't God just do it? And it's something about the heart of God. It's something about the love of God. It's something about the realization that you are, you are indeed made in God's image. It's something about the, the grace of God. There, there's something there. And, and, and part of this Advent, I encourage you to explore how is God wanting to involve you in what God is doing in the world? And it's a long list. John the Baptist, 
Adam and Eve and Abraham and Jacob and Rahab and Moses and Miriam and the list goes on and on. And if God relies on others, maybe I'm supposed to learn to do that too. If God's willing to trust people like John the Baptist, maybe I'm supposed to do that too. Maybe there's a little bit I'm supposed to let go of, control, and having it my way, and learning to let God have it God's way. I think that's part of the promise that's there of, of God. So let's move on to another question. And so whom am I following? John the Baptist makes it very clear, I'm not the one. You're not supposed to be following me. You're looking in the wrong direction. But he does have questions later on. Sends messengers. Are you the one or not? I've been waiting. I've been pushed in a certain direction. Uh, I've, I've gone out there. I've taken risk. I've endured criticism. I'm doing what you've asked. Are you the one or not? And so this Advent season, it's a good chance for us to ask that question. Am I just moving towards Christmas and trying to check off that box? Or am I really looking for the Christ, the Messiah? Where am I looking for real change in the world? Where am I looking for real change in my family? Where am I looking for real change even within myself? Who am I really following? Let's add another one. How am I preparing God's way? I love that right, that, that first paragraph right off the bat, Mark gives us this sermon. John the Baptist, quoting from Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah serves a lot of roles. Isaiah is the memory. He's Israel's memory. Remember the promises. Israel's memory. Remember the exile. Israel's memory. Prepare the way. Prepare the road. Make these paths straight. The road out of exile. The road out of slavery. The road toward hopes and dreams and promises. How am I preparing God's way? The warning, the danger is that we get busy. We get busy doing important stuff. We, we, we get distracted. We, we lose our way. Third grade. He's in the third grade, he's doing the best he can, and he just keeps falling behind. It just doesn't quite connect with him, the way it's being taught, the way it's being presented. Every day he comes home and his backpack is stuffed with more homework, and he sits down and he gives it his shot, and he tries, and he falls further behind, and he's not going outside and playing with kids, and he's stressed and full of anxiety, and... The parents meet with one of the counselors at the elementary school and they decide, you know, we, we think he needs to be in a different class. Let's move him to a different class. It's going to be a different way of teaching, a different way of constructing his day. And, 
And it works. It just, it's the right decision. It's disruptive at first, but his life comes back together and it starts to make sense and his grade gets better. He gets to go outside at night before bedtime and play. He, he gets his childhood back. And another pattern's there. Hey, Dad, will you come outside and play? Hey, Dad, can we throw ball? Hey, Dad, do you have time? And it's afternoon after afternoon, evening after evening. I'm sorry, buddy, I can't. Sorry, buddy, I've I've got all this paperwork I have to get finished. I've got the, the briefcase. It's just full of all the work that I have to do. And one day, thinking about what happened, one day thinking about how it changed for him, he just said, well, Dad, can't they just put you in a different class too? And and maybe that's it. Advent's the time we've been saying, the time to get it right. Advent's the time to change the directions. Advent, right off the bat, John the Baptist. Let's get ready. How am I preparing God's way with my family? How am I preparing God's way with my friends? How am I preparing God's way with the people I'm working with? Am I so busy on trying to get that list accomplished, things that are important, things that are pressing on me that I've forgotten the, the bigger picture of what it means to be made in God's image, the bigger picture of God so loved the world, the bigger picture of what it means to be a part of God's creation. We'll throw in one more. And there's John the Baptist telling them, you know, I'm not the one, but I'm just preparing the way. He's not here yet, but when he comes, I'm baptizing you in water, but it's going to be better. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be different. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be immersed in the very presence of God. What does it mean to be less of me and more of God? What does it mean? What does it mean to feel the fire of God burning off some things? What does it mean to feel the fire of God burning a little deeper within? What does it mean to hear the message, wake up, and now my eyes are opened and I can't unsee what God has shown to me? Now, there's John, the wild man, embarrassing his family and preaching this message, and he says, repent. Outside of the New Testament, pretty common word, doesn't really have a religious connotation It just means turn around. That's all it means. It it means going a different direction. That's all it means. We think about repentance and we think about listing off things. We think about repentance and sometimes, well, we think it must mean an emotional response. And really all John is saying is, if God's going south, why in the world are you going north? It's getting close, isn't it? Christmas. It's getting close the arrival of a child, and they're going to have to rethink what Messiah means. They're going to have to rethink God's involvement in the world, and we get the chance, if we can slow down enough, 
to ask, then what in the world is God doing now? Hear the message of one who is preparing the way. Now's the time to repent. Alter course. Change direction. Just a little bit. And see how God wants to involve you. And use you. And change you. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we listen to familiar hymns that bring back warm feelings deep inside. And we hear the story of Bethlehem. Flickering candles. God's presence and love. Will you bring real peace? beginning today, in Christ's name. And we give you an opportunity to respond. If you've never invited Christ into your life, never said, I, I think I do need to head in a different direction. I, I want to be a follower. We give you that opportunity. We would love to pray with you, explain a little more about what that may mean. If you're looking for a people, we're just on that journey. A group of people on that journey together asking questions of what it means and where's God going and how do we need to alter our course. We invite you to join us on this mission. Will you stand as we pray?